Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. My name is Russ Shaw. This is episode 96. This is Attitudes of Sexual Integrity. Think about your bills, your ex, your deadlines or When you think you're gonna die Or did you long for the next distraction? And all I need now is intellectual intercourse A soul that makes the whole much deeper And I have no concept of time Other than it is dying If only I could kill the killer Some peace, man. A place to find a common ground. And all I really want is a wavelength. Oh, 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 oh. And all I really want is to come first. A way to get my hands on tight. That is a bumper by Alanis Morissette, All I Really Want. Uh, This episode is titled Sexuality, Climax, and Sabbath. Doing a show on the face mic today. You have to tell me me how you liked it. It's a little clearer even so than than the device I was using before. Um, Just wanted to reiterate this uh, commandment, the fourth commandment. You could do doing a part two of the fourth commandment felt weight on my heart to do a part two of this commandment, uh, the fourth commandment, and what it means to Sabbath, and really having this uh, this thing, right, this this speaking to my, my spirit about the, the correlation between um, sexuality, climax, and the Sabbath. Um, what does it mean to Sabbath? The whole the Old Testament thing that God wants us to rest, that God wants us to stop, that God wants us to to go deeper into His His being, just being in relationship with Him, because we're looking for this climax, and I think that's part of the addicted personality mentality: is this ah, I gotta have that climax, I gotta have that that thing that that's gonna give me life. And I chase it until it ties ropes to me and pulls me in.
didn't. I love that song, and it goes to the heart of, uh, of this concept of, of Sabbath and being stuck in something that I believe has become a part of, of Sabbath. Um, I'm going to go into a little bit of my story. Uh, suffering is something that is not taught well in Christian circles. It It is, uh, if you go to a church who is going to talk about suffering, I think that is rare. And I think that you should commend your pastor for sermons and topics and Bible studies that deal with the concept of suffering. Because I think in a kind of self-help society, in a motivation-driven, we got to win, we got to achieve society, we take this concept of suffering and we put it over there. Like, I'm just going to ignore my suffering and I'm just going to press forward towards the goal, right? I talked about that a little bit in the last episode. I heard a song by U2 that had a great visual uh, word picture of this is like a car crash, um, a car that is flipped upside down and its wheels are still turning and spinning, but it's not going anywhere. And that's a good look at me spiritually for a lot of years. And that's why I hammer religion so much, because religion and doing our duties and, and just doing can be a place of escape. Um, one of the things I, I heard a commentator say, and I've kind of put my own spin on it a little bit and put my own words to it, that um, another quote by by myself, I guess, something that I was on my heart, that Sabbath is a place where our desire finds rest. Um, I hope that makes sense to you because I think that deepening ourselves spiritually, part of the goal um, spiritually that Paul is talking about pressing forward towards the goal in Christ Jesus is, is being able to let our hearts rest somewhere, our hearts, right? Our spirits, not, not our, our doing, you know? And we all look for these little bits of Sabbath, you know, whether it's meeting with the guys after work or whatever it is. These are little escapes. They're little escapes from toil. And that's why I believe God set the Sabbath up because life is part of the curse is toil and life is tough and we have to work and we have to press in and we got to, you know, pay the bills, feed our families and climactic releases desire towards towards that is really part of this this concept of Sabbath. And desire is changing us, right? Desire is changing you. Make no mistake. It is changing you as you flow out of your life. Your life like this fountain, this this garden hose with no shutout valve. What you are feeding, what you are watering is changing you from the inside out. And it's not bad to want to be um, a part of wanting duty, to, to do your duty as, as a person, as a citizen, as a husband, as a, a father, a whatever it is. But when it becomes um, a place to hide, that's where I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to talk about today. Because I, I've been... I've been criticized about being kind of a negative teacher or, or you know, negative stuff. And Russell bring up songs that are negative and, 
And it's not that I'm, it's not really a positive negative thing. It's really how deep does that go? Because here's the truth. We are motivated by, by two, after you cut through the gray areas, and I believe in gray areas, man, I know that everybody has a different story. C.S. Lewis says God is teaching each, telling each man his story. And there's a lot of gray areas in life from where we, um, we do life, our perspectives that we see life in. Um, but the, when you cut through all the gray, here, here's the truth. You are motivated by two things. It's either fear or faith. I get up in the morning. I'm going to walk out to my car. I'm going to put the key in the ignition. And I have faith it's going to start. I'm going to go to work. Walking out the door. I, I have faith that when I walk out the door, I'm not going to get a shot. Right? I don't live in, in Iraq or something like that. Uh, the stuff like that. The fear... Fear is a motivator and faith is a motivator. And really, when it comes down to it, when you can cut through all the crap, they're really the only two motivators in life. So we have to not make it so much about, because there's parts of me that need to die, right? Like that's good to think positive, but some of the times this positive thinking can actually feed something that may be killing me. There's a lot of people that believe in the success motivation and all that stuff I think is great, but are we, are we focusing on that in order to feed something that may need to die? Does that make sense? Pride or, or something else that is keeping us stuck, keeping our hearts and souls busied, keeping us from finding our desire in rest and being for our soul. Basically unattached to anything or anyone Unless we're pretending You live your life in your head Some call it imagination I'd rather focus instead on anything except what I'm I love that song because it so shows uh, a heart that is uh, trying to get away from suffering. L- not letting the heart rest because of the the pains of the world. And something I've talked about in the last show and something I talked about in a lot of other shows before that is this energy that's kind of flowing out. One of them, I think, is the is the concept of dreams and success and really trying to achieve something. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I've talked about that in some of the other shows that, you know, like in social psychology, it's not just uh, talent and hard work, but it's opportunity that makes someone rich or famous or achieving their dreams. Um, I I don't want to sound negative in that. I just want you to realize that there's more to you achieving your dreams than just talent and hard work and you really pressing in and flowing out into this this concept of worship because it's not just going to cost you money. Okay, to achieve, to achieve the dream you want to achieve, if you're one of those, um, you have to ask yourself, weigh the costs emotionally, on time away from your family, um, on, on the ripple effect of the future. Because I think a lot of guys especially find their, their, their 
being. They find their value as a man in, in paying the bills and being the breadwinner. And I think that we are supposed to do and be so much more than that for our families. And I'm not good at this either, man. I'm talking to myself here. Um, physician, heal thyself, Jesus says. I need Jesus to, to heal my heart and heal my soul when it comes to, to these kinds of concepts. Another one is um, this energy that I talked about in the last show that's flowing out into focusing on others. Um, repenting of other people's sins, as Pastor Mark uh, Driscoll said. Uh, what I really believe this is, is, is this uh, concept in Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus says, um, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye when you have a log hanging out of yours? You can't even see to remove the speck from your brother's eye until you can remove the log from your own eye. You know, do you get that? Um, in, in, you know, 2,000 years later, uh, Berkeley College, um, this guy Rob Willer talking about fundamental attribution error, and I talked about that a little bit in episode uh, 89. I wanted to go into it a little more today because it really sheds light on this energy that I'm talking about. Kind of like politicians, you know. It's it's coming up in fall here in the United States. It's August. In the fall, there will be elections, and here comes the mudslingers. And it's funny how the people will get votes by demonizing the other guy, right? Like that guy, let me tell you all the bad stuff that guy's doing and, and how I can, you know, save it the world. They, they don't talk that much about what their policies are. They just kind of mudsling to the other guy and how horrible that other guy who's in office now is and what, you know, his failures really focusing on that and building this energy in people that it's like, yeah, I'm not going to put up with that anymore. And so they'll vote for this guy, you know, without even knowing his policies. It's sadly a, a very effective way of campaigning in the United States. Um, but it all goes back to this concept of, of fundamental attribution error. And, and what is that? It's, it has to do with correspondence bias as well. Correspondence bias has been called um, attribution error. Um, I'll read you some of the notes I took from the, the class at Berkeley, the lectures I listened to by, by Rob Willer, Professor Rob. Um, when I view other people, I see them as likely the cause of their behavior. But... When I see my own behavior, I see out. I see my own situation. I see the context I'm in, and I easily make attributes to justify my own behavior from my positions. My dispensational attributes. When I do great on a test, who caused that? Me, right? Because I'm awesome. That's kind of how we look at ourselves. When I do poorly on a test... Who caused that? Well, you know, I stayed up late. That friend of mine came over, and he kept me up late, and we were playing Xbox till 1 in the morning, right? We we tend to, to look at our situation and judge ourselves based on our situation, but we don't seem to have that much compassion for others. That's the concept of, of fundamental attribution error. So other than me going on a long rant on religion, that's, I believe, what Jesus is talking about with this plank and speck mentality and that it goes to all relationship and this is part of why we stay stuck and why relationships are so important 
they're not your savior, but they are important in you in your social world. I talked about in the first uh, intro to the Decalogue talking about um, and how the more time we spend alone, the more we sink into this kind of thought that's fast, cheap, and easy, right? It's all about the self because you're being socially awkward in social situations is a symptom of this, that you're spending too much time alone and developing a kind of thought that's just thinking about you. Like you don't, it doesn't take effort to, to think about others when you're alone with yourself. It doesn't take a, a, that kind of work, right, that heart-level work that it takes to to be inviting, to be open with others. Um, it's just fast, cheap, and easy when you're alone. And that's one of the things that I've noticed with addiction, no matter what it is, that all addiction, whether it's to religion or to heroin, it just leaves us all alone. It leaves us alone in our thoughts, isolated from God, from others, leaves us just alone. And that's part of some of the, the, the folks that I've got emails through over the years and people that I know who are chronically single, right? They, they just every year sink into this deeper hole of selfishness. And it gets harder for them to be in relationships. And when they are, it starts to get scary. And instead of talking about how they feel, because that's scary, they'll, they'll build into to something else. They just get more busy, just want to run away, um, want to withdraw from the relationship because it's scary. And I'm praying that, that you maybe see that. Maybe this episode can shed some light on that. Because we're not going to find climax. And we're not going to find rest in in avoiding other people, in looking at them as the enemy, in being afraid and being totally motivated by fear. Because we're, we're honestly, and, and if you don't believe me on that, if you want to dialogue about that, Russ at ASI247.org, um, you are motivated by either fear or faith. That's the truth. You're spreading seeds your whole life. You're holding this bucket. In, in, in church, we have this video. They're doing this this uh, series on Luke and talking about the sower. And we're always sowing seeds, man. We're always throwing out seeds. And stuff is growing all of our lives. And in who you are in your sexuality as a man, as a woman... How is the, the ripple effect going to reach others? How is the, the crop going to reach others? How are you going to be remembered tomorrow, 50 years from now? Maybe you won't, and, and it's not about you. And that's the biggest thing that I can get you to understand in this this concept of spirituality, that Jesus isn't about religion, right? That Jesus heals wounds of the heart, that in prayer and in solitude we can come to him with our tender, fragile, most vulnerable parts of who we are and he can heal them. And he can make it easier for us to present ourselves to others and those relationships because we need other people. We just do. And it's pressing into him in your suffering and dealing with your suffering and dealing with the, the, the hand that you were dealt in life. Because building relationships are going to be hard and there's going to be suffering involved. I wanted to uh, leave you with some, some scripture on this. 
concept of, of the Sabbath is, is climax. Um, Luke chapter 6, verse 45, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Psalm uh, 1, verse 1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but delights in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted in streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Um, this goes to duty, and I wanted to read uh, some of the quotes that I had on duty, because I think having you know that concept of in, in philosophy is a good concept, doing our duty, right? Check this out. These are some quotes that I like on uh, the concept of duty. I put these on my Facebook. Um, if you want to friend me on Facebook, just send a friend request. Make sure you tell me that you listen to the show. I don't accept friend requests from people I don't know. And if you listen to the show, I, I consider you a friend. said that a lot, um, but that's, that's Facebook. It's not the ASI sexual addiction Facebook. It's just my personal Facebook and uh, being friends online. So here's some of the quotes on duty that I have uh, posted here on my wall. True happiness is to understand our duties towards God and man, to enjoy the present without anxious dependence on the future, not to amuse ourselves with either hopes or fears, but to rest satisfied with what we have, which is abundantly sufficient. That's from Seneca, Roman philosopher in the mid-first century. Um... Life is made up not of great sacrifices or duties, but of things which smiles and kindnesses and small obligations given habitually are what win and persevere in the heart and secure comfort. That is a uh, a quote by Humphrey Davy. Um, I could go on and on with these quotes on duty, but what I really want to communicate is why. What are we motivated by? Within these different layers of our own identity, from your job to your what you own to your family to your sexuality, going another layer deeper, to what you place your hope in. And I wanted to, to end the show with this. This is a uh, from John chapter 7 37 through 39 I'm going to read the message translation because it's so uh, appropriate on the final climactic day of the feast Jesus took his stand he cried out if anyone thirsts let him come to me and drink rivers of living water will brim and spill out of the depths of anyone who believes in me in this way just as the scripture says he said this in regard to the Spirit, whom those 
who believed in him were about to receive. The Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus has not yet been glorified. He has not gone to the cross yet in this uh, this part of the Bible. And this is part, this, this concept that Jesus just stood up and talked about in the midst of all the Pharisees and scribes and religious people that he would be killed for later um, is not about religion. Because we, we, we have that motivated reasoning that people will say that. Well, if you just focus on religion, it's just a new addiction to get out of your old addiction. And that's not what I'm talking about. Because your heart does not rest in addiction. Whether it's addiction to religion, addiction to sex, addiction to crack or meth or heroin, your heart doesn't find rest in addiction. Ask Fortune 500 millionaires about their families, and most of them, right, positive addictions are not the way out of addiction. And I'm not talking about religion as another form of addiction. I'm talking about a deep spiritual truth, a deep place of living water, a place where Jesus talks about this with a woman in the well, that, you know, come to me, you who thirst, and I'll give you rest. Come to me, who you are heavy burden, and I'll give you rest. Come to me with repentant heart and pray to me. This is not just motivated reasoning. This is not just you talking to no one. This is not, you know, this is you talking to the living God, the living Jesus Christ, who is God, the creator of the universe, who who is not, you know, is not confined by time and space, who entered into his own story to love us. And you can talk to him. And you can have a relationship with him. And he will give you the power to overcome because the Bible says to repent of sin, and these are sins that are eating us alive, and that's probably why you're listening, right? How do I repent? There is freedom for you. But even focusing on that freedom and making it bigger than God is idolatry. Really, in the end, we get God. We get God. C.S. Lewis is going to say that. We, we get God. Don't make you not being a sex addict be your God. God, you know, if you can make get me out of this, then I'll love you. That's so backwards. Don't be religious. It just adds more to this plank and speckism, this fundamental attributionary. Energy just starts to flow out to, to, you know, that stuff out there is bad and making me sin. And nothing makes you sin. We reach for it because we're worshipers and we're looking for something to... to find our rest in our Sabbath in to make us climax and Jesus will you'll find rest for your soul in him and you'll be able to enjoy and rejoice in climax in the sexual realm as a good thing with the opposite sex and enjoy it and love it and thank God for it and not worship it as some kind of sick Sabbath place that we go to to bring all of our pain and fear and, and trauma and just, uh, I just need a release as some kind of act of worship. And Jesus will say this, um, and this is a very uh, ethically based piece of scripture and it comes to, and it goes down to relationship and where we put our trust and where we, who we communicate with and how we love um, Luke six forty six through 49 Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? 
Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building his house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose and the stream broke against that house, and it could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like the man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, it immediately fell, and the ruin of that house was great. And that's the thing about our God being a just God, that God doesn't just let people get away with murder, that people are held accountable for the things that we do in this life, that yes, there is grace, but it's not just this religious thing that if you just believe, well, I got grace, it's no big deal, do what I want. That's a religion. Okay, that's not relationship with God. That's not understanding that we break the heart of God. Do you understand that it's it's cheating, the, the pain, think about that for a minute, being cheated on. I did that to my wife. That's a horrible, horrible thing. Said I'd love her. Said I'd, I'd be there for her. And I betrayed her. How horrible it was for me to cheat on my wife. How horrible it was to commit adultery against my wife. And do you think God is not is just going to let that go if I just continue to stay in that, stuck in that? God loves us. And it is an act of worship. And we are looking for a God. And we are finding a place of Sabbath rest. Built on what? Resentment? Built on what? I mean, why do we go there to worship? It's asking yourself that. So Jesus, in saying this, is saying, Listen, I will, I will show you how to build your house on a firm foundation so your family doesn't fall and create this train wreck and maybe that's already happened to you and, and th- th- not continuing the, the cycle of pain that's repentance it's good for us it's not a should or an ought to thing, it's, it's actually good for us, it has to do with love so I'll leave you with this question how are you going to demonstrate love today What's it going to look like today for you individuals sitting behind your eyes with your earbuds in listening to me? My question to you, how are you going to demonstrate love today? Check this out. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, um, starting in verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or clanging cymbals. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Verse 4, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not ignorant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never ends. The message version will say, love never quits. I love that. And that's really what I wanted to uh, to talk about today. Um, I'm going to end the show with a, a song by some Christian guys 
who started a band, not necessarily Christian music in quotes, right? But guys who love Jesus and, and love God and made some music and still continue to. Um, I love you guys. My email address is russ at asi247.org. Um, the website is asi247.org. Um, please, if any of this is hitting you, send me an email. Uh, donations, the, the show is, is, is donation-driven. I mean, that's what pays for to keep this thing on. And if, you, if you're led, if you feel generous in that area, uh, please, uh, I'd love to help you partner with me in doing that. I hate asking for money. I hate it, but... I know that it's it's uh, necessary, and it's also part of how we spend our, our life. Right? Um, I love you guys. Uh, please pray for me. Uh, I pray for for you. Again, here's uh, you too. Pride in the name of love. Till next week. Bye. One man come in the name of love. One man come and go One man come here to justify One man to overthrow One man, he resists. One man, wash.